The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. In the Weimar Republic of Germany in 1923, $1 through their inflation rate and through their expenditures that they made, the reckoning of the economy, only $1 December of 23 would be exchanged for 4 trillion 200 billion marks. The whole German Republic was just reduced to a barter economy. Expensive cigars, artworks, and jewels they routinely exchanged for staples such as bread. Not steak, bread. A cinema ticket could be bought for a lump of coal. A bottle of paraffin for a silk shirt. And all these people in Germany watched helplessly as their life savings disappeared. They're looking at your 401ks, your retirements, right now. But in Germany, they watched this happen while their loved ones starved. 
Germany's finances all descended into chaos. And of course, this results in severe social unrest that always comes in the wake of such a thing. We in this nation can no longer print money physically and distribute it in the quantities we're doing that they did in 1923. And we're not at this point. But however, the quantitative easing that modern deficit finances has caused in this electronic era is no less an assault on the monetary discipline than then. Many people can come up with all kinds of reasons for our country's deficit. And of course, a lot of them say we need to tax more, which is bunk. That chokes down the society. France right now is going for a 75% tax. You make $100, they get 75. You make $1,000, they get 750. If you make a lot of money, what are you going to do? You're going to leave France. And that's what people are doing. By the droves. They're driving them away. But if you're on the other side, whatever you believe the country's deficit, we can't be blindness to the expenditures that we're making at this moment. And there's a day of reckoning coming. A postponed economy recover will come in time. It's the mentality. Not so. It's impossible. And the Weimar Republic of 1923 in December shows us this. And wherever the taxes go up, and this is not a show about taxes, this just shows that when this comes, it's due to the sins of man and his immorality, and God allows these things. He withdraws from it. Man loses his wisdom. He loses his common sense. And so we had many, many millionaires leaving New Jersey. The class warfare, they fired the first shot that it speaks of. Do you, want, do you want your state, all the millionaires and wealthy people to leave? Who's going to be left to fund the businesses? The corporate tax in New Jersey was such that it caused this fleeing. And it's just logic. You would do the same thing. If they're trying to take everything you got and you're already paying millions and millions of dollars, it galls me when people say, well, the rich don't pay taxes. You're a very stupid and a very ignorant person. All you got to do is reason. It's real simple. If somebody who owns a large company, a huge corporation, and they don't pay any personal taxes, what would they do with the money they could keep when they match all Social Security for all their 10,000 or 20 or 50,000 employees. Look how much money they're paying through their company for that. Look how much money they're paying for sales taxes through their company. I don't care if a rich person doesn't pay a penny who owns a huge corporation. They're paying a lot of taxes. From the raw part to manufactured cars to everything. If they didn't pay that, that would go in their pockets. So don't say they're not paying taxes. Ronald Reagan's idea of taxes is just reduce it. It doesn't matter whether the government can survive or not, except for defense and the basic things of national security. And he believed in choking it down because no matter what money the government has, it will spend it beyond what it's capable of doing. 
and we've got a reckless situation with this financial cliff. If people were smart in Congress, what would they do is just abstain. Give it to Obama. Let him do it. Let him run it. Why do, they, why do you give the blessing to him by trying to compromise him? And then he's going to do what he wants to anyway. And then you're naming your signatures on it. We had a newspaper article with us years ago. What did they do? I didn't participate. They'd come to me over and over, send messages, send letters. We want to hear your side of the story. I'm not going to give my side of the story. They need my side of the story to, to do a hatchet job against me and this mission. And I warned them, don't you dare say no comment, because I'm not saying no comment. I'm not talking to you, period. You can say the same thing about the taxes. Let him do it. Let the administration, let those people who want this to tax everybody out of the kingdom come. Just give it to them. Because it's going to fall. And then their name's on it. And so you don't participate in any form or fashion when somebody has evil intentions. Or intentions to do you harm. Let them have it. This economy is going down anyway. Because it's going down... Don't be a participant in that. Take your 401k, get it out, take your penalty. But it works this way by principle, where people can't make money, they flee. Just as they're fleeing out of New Jersey. Caterpillar actually contacted the state, or wrote a letter, I think, to the governor, and to, I can't remember the story, a few, several months back, to the legislature and the government, and the governor, that they better rein this in because they'll look at relocate, relocating out of Illinois because of the same thing. Why? Because out of necessity they have to keep the government or their company and corporation healthy. But what happens when cows start leaving the state because of money? It's kind of bizarre, isn't it? They are. Cows flee California seeking a better economic climate. This is written by Bill Frezza and was published on November 19th of this year. It's not just millionaires and billionaires who are fleeing the economic madness in California. Even cows are starting to depart for greener pastures. That's right. 400 bovine refugees shuffled off to Kansas just this month with more expected to follow as over a 100 dairy farms in California closed their doors. Why are cows voting with their hooves? It's hard to find a government program as insane as the complex web of price supports, market orders, direct payments, diversion programs, herd reductions, import barriers, export subsidies, and stacked-to-the-rafters cheese warehouses that characterize Uncle Sam's efforts to rationally manage the dairy market. If you really want to understand how crony capitalism works to create market conditions only a Soviet commissaire could love, take a look at what happens when Byzantine federal regulations collide with state interventions. Around the time of the New Deal, guaranteeing the milk supply joined life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as one of the cardinal responsibilities of government. While this may be ascribed to a desire by politicians to always have enough babies to kiss, some suspect that buying the votes of dairy farmers had something to do with it. 
And so while presidents come and go and Congress regularly passes reform bills to correct distortions caused by prior reforms, dairy programs enjoy the closest thing to perpetual life that a lobbyist could hope for. The main task of these programs is to make sure that market forces will never be allowed to balance supply and demand. To ensure the public good, the federal government and some states set a minimum legal price on milk. Selling milk for less can actually land you in jail. While this doesn't sound like such a good deal for consumers or innovative producers, it's great for well-connected dairy farmers and the politicians they support. Artificially high prices impose a tax on anybody who drinks milk or eats cheese and other dairy products. Estimates put the cost to consumers as high as $5 billion a year. But since this tax is hidden, legislators get to enjoy the gratitude of dairy farmers without having to face the wrath of consumers who remain in the dark about how much they are individually paying. Our nation's 65,000 dairy farms have been producing a chronic oversupply of milk for as long as the government has taken an interest in their product. While 65,000 dairy farms sounds like a lot for a market that can't gag down all the milk modern hormone-boosted cows produce, things used to be even worse. There were once 200,000 dairy farms producing an oversupply of milk, at one point filling government cheese warehouses with $4 billion of uneaten inventory. Ever wondered where government cheese came from? If milk can't find buyers at artificially inflated prices, the government buys the excess with our tax dollars and turns it into cheese. But we aren't allowed to eat the cheese we paid for, as this would be unfair to commercial cheesemakers. So the cheese sits in storage until it either rots or can be quietly given away to the poor, both at home and abroad. The crisis in California stems from Golden State cheesemakers carrying more political clout than dairy farmers. As a result, the minimum legal price of milk in California is 2.5 cents per pound less than the average minimum legal price in other states. 2.5 cents may not sound like much, but in a business in chronic oversupply, that's larger than typical profit margins. With, live, with feedstock costs skyrocketing due to the diversion of corn to make subsidized ethanol another brilliantly managed business, California dairy farmers are on the ropes. Meanwhile, California cheesemakers enjoy a competitive advantage because it is illegal for out-of-state cheesemakers to buy cheaper California milk. In desperation, instead of shipping the excess milk out-of-state, California dairy farms are shutting down and shipping their cows to states with higher minimum prices, allowing them to contribute to the glut there. This has caused California milk lobbyists to scream bloody murder, demanding that California bring its minimum prices in line with other states. Cheese lobbyists just smile, knowing that they have more legislators in their pockets and can afford to sit tight. That's just how central planning works. A few years ago, the Office of Management and Budget assessed federal dairy price support programs as part of a broad initiative to gauge the effectiveness of over 1,000 government programs. It found that the dairy program had not demonstrated results, has design flaws that limit its effectiveness, and distorts trade in a way that limits the effectiveness of free markets. What action was taken as a result of this negative report?
None, of course. If you go to expectmore.gov to read the program assessment, a note pops up that says, This is historical material, frozen in time. The website is no longer updated, and links to external websites and some internal pages will not work. That's just how special interest democracy works. So, bon voyage, intrepid cows. Yet another trillion-dollar farm bill is being cobbled together in Washington as we speak. And the odds that any deficit-producing, wealth-destroying, consumer-shafting dairy programs will be phased out, allowing the dairy industry to restructure itself on rational lines, are about as good as that of the Supreme Court waking up one morning and ruling that the Constitution never granted Congress the power to set milk prices in the first place. If the Supreme Court would do that, which they won't, and another correction of this note, this this writing, a democracy, of which we are not, and if you read They Fired the First Shot, you know from now, never to stand and let that be said without correcting it. We're a republic. Don't let anybody tell you this is a democracy. I won't go in that way in that direction, but the book goes explaining why it's dangerous to us. But again, this is about reforms. And reforms are reforms, earlier reforms, because they brought disaster. And that's exactly what happened in the Weimar Republic. They'd done no more than probably a half a dozen measures to avert ultimate disaster. We've, we're past the half dozen number. Quantitative easing, all the things we're doing. The government sold in the Weimar Republic any stocks they held below 5,000. Marks because it was just too much to administrate. They even went to exchanging wooden coffins for pasteboard coffins to keep the cost down. And of course, we're doing things just as ridiculous. Ultimately, when you got a situation you can't fix and you're having to do this and do this program or pass this law, there's a day of reckoning. What's going to happen? And now we're talking about going off the fiscal cliff. They wasn't saying this a year ago, two years ago. We've been saying it for 25 years. You can't do this. We've been spending out of our minds for that long. And there's only one way they can fix it. And it's a correction. The same thing happened in 29. The only difference is that people could shift gears, could get the little bread. Could They did have paraffin to swap because of candles for a shirt. They did have a little bit of something to swap for bread. They had the bread, and then somebody else had the artwork. We don't have that. We're a consumer society that throws everything away. Very little wealth that you're going to want. Who's going to want a picture if you're hungry? If it's worth a million dollars, can you sell it for a million dollars? If you get that valuable painting? Who's going to buy it with everybody around you and around them, outer, bigger circle? Everybody around them is hungry. And they're looking just for food. That's what I've told you before. Somebody's on the cell phone. They want the nine eleven planes. They've already heard one went down. They know they're going down. The other guy's is out of batteries. He's got a million dollars in his briefcase. He turns to the one on the cell phone. Can I just call my wife? I'll give you this million dollars. See, a million dollars at that point is worthless. The time and the setting on the ground may be different. But we're going down. Is your cash going to be worth anything? Only civil world with... Silver, silver with an intrinsic value, or gold, or some precious metal. Of course, silver and gold are the two things that are intrinsically valuable, no matter what. But even they 
can do a drop in the immediacy of people being hungry till things stabilize. You hold it past the crash. But really, you don't want to go through a crash with it. You want to have the, the, the ability to have the food. You want to have the land. You want to have the barn. You want to have the means to feed yourself. That's wealth. That's the best investment you can make. Don't think that even if you have the money to put up 25 or 30 houses for other people and build a community and you fund it and you let them move there free and if it costs you $5 million and you've got them raising hogs and chickens and cattle and everything you need to do and providing milk and you've got one of those houses there, that that's not an investment. That if something happens, you can go in that house and you've got a community of people sustaining themselves and you can live by. That's security. That's investment. You've got to change your mentality. You've got to come to a new mentality and realize what is investment. A million dollar house? A five million dollar house? What good is that? If you can't eat. So even what is an investment when you have excess money and you have others to be there, you need to be thinking about these things. Frank? Yeah, so um, at the conference we had set up a table and someone uh, by chance paid me with a silver certificate. And so being at Caritas where the uh, light of wisdom is greater than anywhere around here, I was able to contemplate 624, 68, more than I ever had in the past. And some questions came to mind, which, of course, 624, 68, they said they'll no longer give you silver for the silver certificate. And the silver certificate guaranteed that there would be a silver dollar in the Treasury of the United States for every single silver certificate that was issued. So it guaranteed that the holder on demand could go to the bank and get their silver. So the question is, is where did my silver go? We had billions of dollars. In what desperate situation was the government in to try this very bold and risky move? Of course the people are going to revolt. They've got, they're holding billions of dollars of silver certificates, and you say they no longer can get their silver. Why did they do this? First of all, they sold all the silver. They didn't have it to manipulate the price to being a dollar twenty-eight or whatever would cost three quarters of an ounce or point seven seven of an ounce, which the dollar is three hundred and seventy-one point two five pine grains. They had to sell the silver to manipulate this price and keep this price down until they didn't have any silver anymore, or certainly not enough to honor the silver certificate. So they stole your silver billions of dollars, and no one took to the street. The second question is, is, what is a Federal Reserve note, and who are the Federal Reserve? Well, it's a loan to you, and from the Federal Reserve. Well, who's the Federal Reserve? Well, they're individuals with private interests uh, that are federal. They have nothing to do with the federal government that have been given the right to issue currency through the illegal Federal Reserve Act in 1913 that's unconstitutional. That says only gold and silver will be money in the United States. And they're doing it for their own interest. The other question is, is how does the Federal Reserve note hold value? Well, it doesn't. It's another tax on the people. They've already overspent so much that your taxes aren't sufficient, and they spent all the silver. So now they have to have 
rampant inflation and tax you that way, too. So anyone now that's still in the system, after it ain't going to happen, which is explain this, uh, which I was able to contemplate it more than ever before, is remaining in an in, in evil system, intrinsically evil, unweighted, unmeasured, and for private owners that don't care about America. They have a globalist agenda. So this is where we are. This is why Ben Bernanke and the Federal Reserve says if we fall off the cliff, there's nothing we can do about it. No well, well, how, long, how, long, how long is this going to fix it? How long is it, whatever they do, they raise taxes? I mean, the rapidity of every, every reform and every law passed shortens the time in between the need for the next law. And so we're, we're so quick at these things. What, this is Q3. We've already done, correct? QE3? Yeah. Yeah, it's QE2 infinity because they there's no end so to we, the So we just can't, we got to keep doing this. So it, it's just there, and for people not to act, not to put it in intrinsic, the, to get something with intrinsically va- that's intrinsically valu- valuable and can't be worthless, is insane not to. And of course, the the conference, which I want to touch base on that, was, was exceeded all our expectations. We thought maybe it'd be 100 150 people, which we were comfortable with that. That's really all we wanted. Ended up being 200, then 250, then 300, then 350. We got close to 400 people that came through. And uh, all of them are ready. We're going to do another one in April. Uh, the comments are incredible. We're going to post an update or a report on it on our site in the next few days. But the the impact of everyone involved, even those who weren't Catholic, was profound. Uh, it was historic. We thought it was going to be historic. It it had an impact in each heart that was here. Uh, one person said they've been in spiritual life for 25 years, but this has dramatically changed their spiritual life. But it wasn't just that. It was about the physical well-being of the culture and society where we're headed. They really gave excitement. One lady said that she's when she was leaving, she's so enthusiastic. Uh, the world's falling apart. And yet she's happy. And so it is, this is what all he asks us to be. Be joyful, carries your peace. And the conference gave this. And of course, I think everybody that attended, probably every single one of these people will come bringing five more people. And so that's going to be scheduled sometime in April tentatively. I'm not saying for certain we won't push it back even another month, but we're looking at, we're targeting April for the next New Communities Day Friday the First Shot conference. Uh, and it isn't a profound experience. It will change the way you think, and it will give you a new mindset, new directives, new initiatives, and a new future. And that future now is something that you can take steps on now through Medianomics, So what we tell you is to exchange what cash you have now, immediately, not for silver bars. Don't go there. That's secularizing your money. Sacralize it. Put the miraculous metal on it. Hold it in that. You can get rid of it just like you can American Eagle. It's no different. Silver is silver. Period. People think, well, i got faith in it. I remember in the American Eagle as opposed to the Medjugorje Miraculous Medjugorje Round. I remember being a teenager, and when they were saying we were taking the silver out of the quarters, out of the dimes, out of the half dollars and the silver dollar itself, we just, I, I remember a scene just in our house when I was told about that. I can remember that as you was talking a while ago, Frank. And, and we didn't think nothing of it. 
we, our, the alarm bells and flags didn't go up. We'd had money and, and change for so long, a dime's still a dime, because we'd, we'd already gone into the system as they decreased it, just like the Romans did, when they had pure silver, silver, and then they went to less silver, and then they went to less, to where there was no silver in it at all. And so we got that, and nobody was ever alarmed about it. Because we put our faith in the system, we quit praying, we wasn't looking at this, and now this is upon us in a, in a monstrous way. And while you still can get it, you need to get it. And don't delay. Frank, your contact information? Yeah, you can reach us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can also reach us by email at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com And I want to finish with this with uh, a one or two sentence description of what you felt about the conference. Riaz, you did the same thing and Joan, you did the same thing. Frank, you first. The, the con- conference was simply awesome. It's something that we can do locally. Uh, the constitutional speakers were incredible and the... Uh, I hate to think where we'd be without the book, They Fired the First Shot, 2012. You must read this. You must read and put into place all of the five major writings. This is time to uh, take these things very seriously. The conference and the book, They Fired the First Shot, is really a vehicle that is enabling people to connect with each other, seeing that they are not alone in the way they are thinking about um, the situation in our nation and are giving great hope and great excitement for the future. When, when, you, when, you're in, when you're in school and they teach you about the American Revolution and you read about the founders and when they came together and did something that changed really history, you wonder what it would have been like to have been in a place like that or to have been a mouse in the room when the Declaration was signed. And really, that's, that's the feeling we got, that's the feeling I got uh, during the conference, was what really was actually taking place on a supernatural level, the unseen things that we simply couldn't see when we were seeing the physical reality of people coming together, and the speakers and the presenters and everything that a friend of Medjugorje did to tie all of these things together. There was something happening behind the scenes on a heavenly side that we simply couldn't see, but you could feel that it was taking place. And uh, if you don't believe that or if you can't understand that, you had to have been there, and then you would understand exactly uh, what, what we're talking about. You may be wondering if history was made December 6th, December 7th, 2012. I may be in doubt of what we're saying or it's an exaggeration. But I can tell you, every one of those 400 or so that was there, none of them doubt it. We wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.